There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to News from the Krabby Coffee Shop with your host, Don McLean, from Jason and Alexis in the Morning on My Talk 1071, Garage Logic's newsman, Mr. FYI, John Height, and the crabbiest guy in the coffee shop, Kenny Olson. Are you kind of surprised that we're here and the uh, <laughs> declaration of doom didn't play out last Friday? I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised. It was your prediction, after all. It wasn't a prediction. It was a declaration. That's right. Yeah. It was a declaration. I forgot. Uh, yeah. I don't do um, predictions. I only do declarations. Don, were you at all surprised when 3 o'clock went by without uh, any drama? Uh, I was not surprised. I was sleeping because that is nap time for me. Yeah, I, I have so to admit. all my talk, I'm just all talk. I'm all hat and no cattle. I, I, I think... People have come to realize that with me, too, because came, uh, 3 o'clock came and went last Friday, and I didn't even realize it till, uh Reavers was doing a show. What is that beer-drinking show he does, Ross? Oh, the Weekly Scramble. Weekly Scramble. Uh, and he called me live on the air, Don. Oh, I'm sitting there, sitting there working my way through, like, the third ice cream cone in the last 15 minutes, <laughs> and the phone rings, and it says it's KS95 calling, and I'm like, what? No, KS95? Right. Uh, and it's Reavers, and he's live on the air um, to grill me and make fun of me on why the world wasn't ending. Oh, yeah. You know, you would think he'd be happy. Instead, right. he's just trying to make fun of you. Well, I want to remind you, and Don realizes this, both of us were raised in the church. People made fun of Noah as he was building the ark. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I, I just I just want to remind you of that. And then those were the same people that were drowning and trying to get into the ark as it was floating away to safety on Mount Ararat. That's right. Yeah. Yep. And they're like, oh, he's bringing on giraffes now, idiot. Yeah. By the by the way, Kenny, you should tell the people that what did you do when Chris called you? Uh, I threatened to swear, and then and then I said, uh, "You want to hear something funny?" And they go, "Yeah!" And I hung up. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> fantastic. Went back to my ice cream cone. So why do you think he would be glad that the world was ending, Ross? So he didn't have to look at his stupid face in the mirror anymore. <laughs> Oh wow! What a- <laughs> I got to protect Kenny. Com- Com- that was that. For, that's for taking a shot at Kenny, Chris. Combative, Don. I like it. <laughs> so uh, we Kenny did- also also had a great uh, tweet right after that too, where when he tweeted, "Well, that didn't pan out. I wonder what's on TV tonight." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, great. Now I have to actually go to work. We're actually getting closer. I mean. Could- could you see it happening? There's been talk that Putin's going to shut down the Internet in Russia. And uh, the, the speculation there behind that is that he's going to send something out, some kind of, I don't know, Ross, what are they, viruses or something that's going to kill the uh, global Internet? Could that even happen? Is that true? 
I would think it could happen, but I'd like to think the other superpowers are aware of such things and would be ready to stop that or thwart it. But I think all countries have been testing this in some way, shape, or form. You know, Russia does something to us, and then the United States will literally just say, well, we're going we're gonna to respond and do something, too. So I think you know they're all testing the technology I'm to a degree. I'm waiting for us to really do something, though. You know? And not, mo- that's all I'm going to say. The more we... Th- <laughs> <laughs> the more we threaten to do that, the more he threatens the rest of the world. I just had a great idea. Ross took his headphones off. He's going to make a call, get a hold of our guest, Mason Grove. Um, but I think from now on, uh, once a week, we should do two minutes with Ross called The Global Minute with Ross Brendel, <laughs> where he just tells us what's going down. Dumb it down for the rest of yeah. us, Ross. <laughs> Give us information. Sounds like a plan. Right. Um, but I think it... it still could be a possibility that there could be something going on, although let's hope it's not global. Um, But we decided since last week was so fun that we were going to pursue a guest, and it's the guest we wanted to get last week. His name is Mason Grove, and he runs a class here in Minnesota called Minnesota Primitive Skills School, where he teaches basic survival um, techniques. Um, he's got a basic class. He's got a class on wild edibles, a class on PVC bow making. Um, here's one I'm interested in, Don Friction Fire. And I don't mean, um, well, never mind. I'm not going to go down Careful. that road. Yeah. Uh, oh, my pr- gosh. Yeah, you, you can read my mind. Um, yeah, I know. Primitive animal traps. And then uh, the, our favorite topic, Don, both on and off the air, the survival kit bug out bags. And uh, Ross, it looks like Mason might be with us. Is that true? Yep, I'm here. Hi, Mason. Um, welcome to News from the Krabby Coffee Shop. I'm Kenny. Um, my co-hosts are Don McLean. Hello. Say hi, Dawn. This and, is the sound of my voice. <laughs> and John Height, and of course, you've already spoken with Hi, Ross. Uh, just so to background you, uh, Mason, last week at this time, I uh, put out a dire, well, I'm calling it a, a, a declaration of doom, where I pro- <laughs> I promised our listeners that on 3 o'clock on Friday, this would have been last Friday, um, a global EMP was going to go out. Um, and that would effectively make all of our electronic devices um, dead. Um, an hour later, um, the the evil Putin was going to, what was he? Uh, he was going to launch a nuclear, a global uh, nuclear holocaust. <laughs> and then an hour after that, at 5 p.m., he was going to bomb all of our nuclear power facilities in the United States via uh, classic uh, missile warheads. So then we spent the next 45 minutes or so talking about how we were going to survive that. And that's. Yeah, that would be an interesting one. Yeah. yeah that, welcome to the show, Mason. Yeah. <laughs> and, and normally we're upbeat and we have fun and we goof off and make fart jokes and, you know, double entendres. But this, uh, especially bug outs and fleeing society, has always been a fun topic for both Dawn and I on and off the air, and that's how I discovered you and your primitive skills school that you conduct here in Minnesota. Um, Why don't you tell us first, before we get going, a little something about yourself, how old you are, and uh, uh, what in life led you to do this? Well, I'm 30 years old right now. Um, Just kind of as a kid, I always spent a lot of time outside and in the woods just messing around. 
I read some books when I was a kid about people who did survival stuff. Like I, you know, read Hatchet and then um, My Side of the Mountain in school. Sure. And those kind of got me interested in it in the first place. And then I also had a friend whose mom had gone to the tracker school in New Jersey. And so she knew a lot about uh, primitive skills and that kind of stuff. So she kind of taught us some of those things as well and got us more interested in it. His mom went. That I find fascinating. I love it. Yeah. Uh, what is that? Uh, Tom? Are we talking Tom Brown Jr., that tracker school? Yep. Cool. And you also ended up going there, did you not? Yeah, I did. Yep. As soon as I could, when I was 18, I started going to tracker school and took uh, several classes there. On survival. Yep. Survival, uh, uh, basically some scout skills, so how to live kind of uh, stealthily out in the woods. Um, Also, some more long-term skills on how to survive long-term out there with more advanced shelters and pottery and all that kind of stuff. Sure. So if the S went down, Mason, <laughs> um, and you knew um, global a global holocaust was imminent and you had a 30-minute warning, what would you do? Well, I would probably... Started getting my stuff together. I'd probably put out notice to certain people to get them to come together and uh, all meet up at my place. And uh, this was one of the debates we had last week. Do we hunker down where we are or do we mm-hmm. run for our lives? Do we uh, seek out the woods, go to the Dakotas, either the, the northern Dakota or the one that's down <laughs> south? <laughs> where do we go? Yeah. I think that kind of all depends on your situation. Like, if you're in a city, I wouldn't stay there, definitely, because those kind of places are going to get crazy. Right. Um, If you're out in the woods in a pretty unpopulated area, then you're in a good spot. Um, You definitely need to be somewhere where there's enough resources to survive. you got drinkable water and uh, firewood and plants and things to eat. Um, But in general, like, if you know how to survive, going to the least populated area possible is your best bet. Right. Um, And drinkable water's got to be a big, big, big factor. Yeah, that one's hard around here, especially um, because so much of our water is so polluted. Right. What did we say last week, Don? It was... You you need a gallon of water a day or so, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we were going to load up. I don't know, like five five gallon brand new gallon uh, five gallon gas cans, fill them with water, and then run for our lives. And we figured, you know, that might buy us a few weeks. I don't think we're going to be running though with that much weight. I think we need a little red <laughs> yeah, wagon with us. <laughs> <laughs> you could definitely get by on less than that for a while. Right. Yeah. What I like about uh, your classes here is that you say that you're going to teach people just in the basic class how to survive with nothing. So let's say something happens and you don't have anything on you. You've got primitive shelter, uh, friction fire, natural camouflage, uh, even eating uh, medicinal plants. This is interesting to me because we're always preparing and, you know, we have these bug out bags. But what if we don't have anything on us. That's kind of what you're teaching in your basic class. Am I am I right about yep. that? Yeah, so basically uh, kind of the basic skills that you would need 
to be able to go out there with really nothing and get, you know, all your food from the plants and animals, how to trap things, how to collect and prepare food, how to make water safe to drink, um, what kind of shelters you can make with just what you can find around you, all that kind of thing. And uh, friction fires from, you know, if you don't have any matches or lighters or anything, you could go out and collect the right materials to make uh, fire from just the landscape. Okay, so let's get into friction fires. Yeah, because let's talk about that. We, we that talked in about particular. It, we, we talked about it a little last week. And uh, Don, didn't you and I agree that the friction fires are dumb? Well, if you had some type of a flint, it's fine. But if you don't have it, you have to do it. Am I yeah. correct, Mason, on that? Like, yep. It's yeah, really the the only way that uh, you know if you were going to be out surviving forever, eventually all your other stuff would run out, and you'd have to do friction fires. Right, no more magnesium. So, because I, I was a, I've been a passionate about this for all my life, and it started as a scouting. And none of us, and we tried for hours and hours and hours, could light a fire with the little mini bow and the stick and then the rock on top of the stick. We couldn't even get it warm. But we all had a piece of flint and we had the back of our knife and we could light a fire within seconds with that. Are you telling me? Yeah, the friction fires, the friction fires do take a lot of practice and, uh, really getting the form and the skill and your, your friction fire set down right. Um, a lot of books and things like that don't really teach you the correct form to use for your body position and everything. And you kind of got to really get a feel for it to be able to do it. Yeah. I'm picturing myself falling through the ice and I need to make a, <laughs> I need to make a fire to warm up and dry my clothes. And I would, I'd literally freeze to death before I could get a fire. Started. Don't go out on the ice, Kenny. I know you keep telling me that. <laughs> oh, Mason, uh, John, and I. This is Ross, by the way. We are probably, well, not probably, on this uh, cast. We are definitely <laughs> ranking ourselves. We would be third and fourth most uh, prepared for any type of situation. So much as so, one of us has basically said they would just give up. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not the person talking. Me, yeah. yeah, not the person talking. John's just going to give up. Well, what can you tell John I, I, to get him yeah. not to give up? That's Mason. That... Well, let me preface this, Mason. Uh, I, I'm an older guy. I'm, I'm 65. Why do I want to be around after all the S goes down, as Kenny likes to say? Can I just sit on my steps, drink a beer, and wait for everybody to come and eat me or whatever they're going to do to me? <laughs> Well, I can't really give you any good reason other than it'd be interesting to see what happens. Well, I, I can he tell can't you what. Give what's... you the reason to live, John. Mason. I can tell you what's going to happen. Somebody's going to put a bullet in his head, or they're going to walk right by him, go into his house, steal what they need, and leave. And John, you're going to sit there and you're going to starve to death on your own step. Well, well, you know what? Since you brought that up, that leads me to another question, Mason. You talked about calling together all the folks you know. Uh, and last week, as you heard from Kenny right there, we were all a little paranoid about even seeing another human being. <laughs> wouldn't You'd have to have a high level of trust, wouldn't you, in everybody that you, uh, even family members, I would think there'd be some problems to put that team together to survive. Uh, how, how how would you decide who gets to be on your team? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the people who I care about a lot and who uh, I would want to be with in that kind of time, really. Yeah, mm-hmm. Don't you have to think on terms uh, like, 
who's going to be useful in the long run? This is really getting serious. This is like The Walking Dead right now. <laughs> we were talking like, like, sorry, Uncle Gary, you don't make the cut. Well, Don, I'm thinking among the four of us right here, you and I would probably go together pretty good. Right. But but these two, Ross and John, they're they're dead weight. <laughs> they're literally. Yeah, they're going to slow us down, and we'll all end up getting killed or eaten. Uh, you know what? I'd tell you to go ahead. I'd just say, no, go you, you on, got Don, Kenny, go ahead. No, <laughs> but uh, seriously, besides this, like, let's say we're not talking about a disaster where, where the world ha- is ending. Just getting lost in the woods is so easy to do. You know, I like to go out camping, and I'm not talking about car camping. You know, I trek out five miles or so, and it's there have been times where I've been kind of scared because I've been with a dimwit who told me that they yep. had a compass, and they're like, oh, yeah, I know how to get back. We followed a, a creek bed, and then there was a torrential downpour. Right. So our route changed, and yes. I was scared for my life. I thought, are we going to make it out of here? So this kind of these classes that you teach – and your way of life and what you've grown up with, that would help you if you do get lost in the woods. Yeah, definitely. If you got lost in the woods and you had these kind of skills, you probably wouldn't be as anxious and you would know kind of exactly that exactly what to do. You'd know you'd be fine no matter what. Right. Mason, where do you fall down on um, traditional traps, like, say, leg hold traps, compared to snares? compared to uh, making your own box-style, dropping-log-style trap. Um, Which do you feel is the most effective? I always do primitive ones, such as snares and uh, deadfalls and that kind of thing, because I would never want to use the kind where the animal would be there alive suffering. I want to always use one that'll kill it right away. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and the, if you're going to be on foot, the leg hold traps are going to weigh you down. You know, if you're going to start car- if you're going to start carting these things around with stakes or a cable, that's going to that adds serious weight to your pack. Whereas, um, you know, a half a dozen snares made out of what's called like airplane cable or whatever the hell it's called, um, they're easy to carry and easy to use, and like you say, they dispatch the animal rather quickly. Yep. Yeah, the nice thing about primitive skills is you can travel really light. Right, right. We're talking about all these things that we have. I mean, because I have a bug out bag that has a lot of things in it, and it's heavy. You know, it's a it's a big old thing, about 20, 25 pounds, I would say. Uh, or maybe even more than that. I'm trying to compare it to, hmm. Yeah, so anyway, it's not, if I was weak and, you know, struggling, this isn't something. Yeah, or injured dog. Exactly. So do you ever test yourself, Mason? Do you ever go out and try to survive in the woods and and test your skills? Yeah, I like doing that sometimes in all kinds of different environments. I like to go to different places so I can really test the skills and make sure that I'm good in all kinds of different places. Cool. Mason, are there things that the commoner, and again, I'll use me, John, when when we leave, but I mean everybody, when we leave our house for the day, or say we're 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 taking three or four trips, maybe we're driving thirty, forty miles within the day. Are there things that you always have with you that the rest of us should have with oh, us in case that's a great good, question. we get stranded on the road, we get caught up in a bad situation? Are there things that simple steps that I can take that will ensure I make it back home at night? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, one thing I always carry on me is a good knife. Um, I also carry uh, some form of fire starting, so like a lighter mm-hmm. or a magnesium rod, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Also, in the winter, it's good to have plenty of warm clothes or a sleeping bag or something like that to be able to keep yourself warm if you don't have any kind of other heat source, like if your car dies or something like that. It's always a good idea to have warm clothes with you so that you can, you know, get somewhere safe or you can wait things out. That's great. So knife, uh, warm clothes, some type of like a sleeping bag and a fire starter. If you have those things, you feel like you're going to be able to at least make it through the night. (laughs) I I have all of that and duct tape and... uh, um, since I live out in the country, uh, a variety of firearms, um, which I'd, lo- I'd love to talk to you about that, Mason. Say the worst is possibly ha- uh, has happened in you're out in uh, nowhere land and you need to provide for yourself. Do you have a favorite firearm, keeping in mind that you can only carry one or two? What would that be, an, all, uh, an all-around good firearm that will not only uh, help you defend yourself, but will provide for you, too. Well, for if I was just going to only have one, I'd probably just have a twenty two rifle. Right. Um, just because you can carry so much ammo with that. Right. And they're so accurate, too. Yeah. Um, along with that, I would usually carry just a 9mm pistol, just for mostly defense. Right. Yeah, I, I, I can't... But you could as well use that for yeah. uh, getting food. I can't disagree with you, but you know, um, if if you've got a few hundred rounds of nine mil, uh, that's going to weigh you down. But like you said, you could carry a thousand rounds easily of twenty-two ammo, and it wouldn't be a big deal. And if you need, to, even if you need to shoot big game, if you're close enough and accurate enough, uh, a headshot would take care of it. Um, although yep. I would, I wouldn't recommend a body shot because all you're going to do there is um, harm or irritate the animal and not kill it. But it would be great for rabbits and squirrels and everything else you can eat. Speaking of which, have you ever ate raccoon? I haven't had raccoon, but I have had a lot of other things. Yeah. Like what? Come on. Give us the goods. (laughs) I've had squirrel. I've had muskrat. I've had all kinds of different bugs. Bugs. Um, Yep, lots of different things. I've had scorpion before out in Oregon when I was surviving there. Ooh. Ooh, what other places have you been uh, to survive? Um, I've been down in the desert in Arizona. I've been in the mountains in Oregon. I've been in the tropics in the Virgin Islands. Um, I've been up northern Minnesota, up in the Boundary Waters kind of area. Um, yeah, that's that's. A lot of the places I've been, I've gone to a lot of those places multiple times. Okay, let's. Uh, we're going to part company here, Mason. When you start talking to me about bugs <laughs> and berries, <laughs> I will probably on, no, Don. I'm going hungry before I'm eating bugs. Oh, oh, I've some eaten. of them are pretty tasty. Really? Yeah. Yep. I've uh, eaten a grasshopper, like a live grasshopper, before. Oh, what that explains some things about you. I was you. trying to. I was auditioning for Survivor, and I brought it with me to really? get past the rest of the pack. There's a thousand people waiting in line. I'm going to get some attention if I eat a live grasshopper. I'm like, here, I'm going to do this for you. I mean, yeah, I get, yeah. So, you know. 
<laughs> what, one class I think you teach along that line, Mason, that would be helpful for me would be berries, uh, because in my opinion, every single berry that grows wild uh-huh. is is poisonous, and I'll be dead within five <laughs> minutes. And the same with mushrooms. Uh, I've been told there's uh, delicacies growing out in our woods, but I won't touch them because, you know, they're either going to make me trip, uh, trippy or they're going to kill me. <laughs> I think these classes are great. How can people um, get in touch with you? Uh, are you doing classes this spring, or, or where can they find information? Yeah, um, so I've got a schedule up on the website and everything. Um, the easiest way to find me probably is on Facebook um, mm-hmm. at uh, Minnesota Primitive Skills and Survival School. Uh, the website that I have kind of has a long name, um, it is uh, HTTPS uh, and then, uh, you know, slashes and then masongrovezero.wixsite.com slash MN Primitive Skills. That's great. People can I rewind hope. this podcast. They're rewinding it three <laughs> times now to write that down. And you have a link probably on your Facebook page to that as well. Yes, I do. Cool. Yep. Two people I want to tell I you. I've been... I have also been starting to do TikToks on survival skills. Oh, you're such a hipster, Mason. Come on, man. How do we find you on TikTok? (laughs) TikTok. Uh, That would be uh, at MN Primitive Skills. Cool. Two people I want to talk to you about before we go, Mason. Uh, Do you know who Will Steger is? Is that the uh, Mucklucks guy? Yeah, and he's also was an Arctic explorer, and he did the North Pole and all that, dog sleds, et cetera, et cetera. Lives up in Ely. And uh, I've heard stories about um, about Will that during spring breakup, Will will get uh, his snowshoes out and go up into the boundary waters and camp alone in the boundary waters by himself during spring breakup. That, to me, has always seemed absolutely amazing <laughs> that this guy can go out there and survive like that on his own, a true mountain man. Mason's yep, probably done Yeah, that it. sounds like a good time. it would be a couple of weeks by yourself out there that would be fun and then another one i want you to google because his tale is fascinating this guy went to uh he was with the um lewis and clark expedition he was one of the hunters his name was john coulter and on the trip back in uh, Mandan, South Dakota, he was allowed to That'd leave. Be North Dakota, Kenny. Yeah, North, North it's, Dakota. It's one or the other. I can never keep it's North choose. Dakota. See, I grew up in Mandan, North Dakota, Kenny. So it's Mandan, Mandan North is, Dakota. It's on <laughs> kind of on the northerly side of the Dakotas. That's, that's correct. Yes. So anyway, he departs. Uh, you, you can tell we've got a little thing going, Mason. Just ignore us. Um, he departs the expedition, doesn't go back down to St. Louis, instead hooks up with some trappers. And uh, this guy, John Coulter, was assigned to go out and look for Indian tribes that they could trade with. And he went out in the middle of the winter on foot and basically was the first man, white man to discover uh, Yellowstone Park, what is now Yellowstone Park. Can you imagine being in Yellowstone all alone in the dead of winter um, and never have having heard of uh, you know um, the great scalding pots and everything that you find in uh, in Yellowstone wouldn't that be amazing that would be amazing yeah that would be a really cool thing to find <laughs> you've got to make sure you look them up Google them um, it's a very very interesting tale uh, anyway um, guys do you have any more questions 
Oh, we want people to take your classes. This sounds really cool. Just to, you know, it's probably pretty gratifying when you teach people these skills. Yeah, definitely. I like to really spread out the information as much as possible because, I mean, I think the more people that know these skills, the better off everyone will be, really. Yeah. Get that bug out bag ready. See, I'm going to swoop back in just to make Kenny angry because I got to follow up on the mushrooms and the berries. Oh, God. <laughs> are are there simple ways, Mason, to know which ones you're looking at are are edible versus which ones, as Kenny says, can kill you in five minutes? Not really. You kind of got to gotta learn them. You have to learn okay. them. It's not like looking at a snake's yeah. head. You can't just carry a you can't just carry your phone, Ross, and look it up on the internet because the internet's going to be gone. Like on Reddit, what is this berry? Although Mason, I'm sure there's cute little survival guidebooks that you can always carry that would be very handy. Yeah, there is definitely that. That's one thing you can use for sure. You know, and the same with fishing. You don't have to carry that three hundred dollar fishing rod. Just carry some line and a few simple hooks, and you're good to go. Right. Yep, fish hooks are definitely one thing that I put a lot of in my survival kit. How much duct tape do you carry? We oh got into a God. big we got into a big duct tape uh, debate last week. <laughs> do you do you carry any? If so, how much? I think I might just have like a few feet in there. Really, that's He's it. He's not relying on duct tape to survive got, in the woods. Uh, Mason, I've got two rolls at least. <laughs> He's the expert here, yeah, Kenny. Well, Let me I mean... remind you of that. <laughs> that's more you got to carry. Uh, are you a believer in MREs? Um, I I usually make my own uh, dehydrated food, actually. Oh, next level. Cool. That is next level. And settle another debate between Don and I, um, spam versus peanut butter. Oh. Which one? I will would take peanut butter. Yes, I win. Peanut butter. <laughs> That's in my bag. Mostly because, I- because it's. Yeah, more shelf-stable once you open it, and it's also a really good bait in traps. That's what I... Yes, bait? Man, I knew I was good. <laughs> do, do we have to get into the crunchy versus creamy uh, <laughs> no, argument? No, please, no. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, well, it's been great talking to you, Mason. Yeah, you too. Cool. Thanks for uh, being on the show. All right. Yeah, what's, no problem. Thank you, Mason. What's the name? Uh, it's the uh, Minnesota Primitive Skills School. Uh, and it's hosted by um, Mason Grove. Well, that was fun. Hello? I have my mic off because he's talking to him. Oh. And I'm in the same room, you <laughs> dummies. Is, is, there anything, um, is there anything you learn that you're je- definitely going to go home and change uh, your bug out bag? Or any anything that you're going to... I mean, just the basics, those basics that he said, a knife, some... I, I really think uh, to have some good shoes... And socks in your oh, in your car. That's a good point. You know, was, yeah. you, I have some steel toe boots and some warm socks. Um, yeah, just to have those basic things instead of this huge bag. You know, if I have to just put it in my purse, I know that I've said this on the, this cast that I get my Leatherman taken away at the airport because I forget it's in there. So I <laughs> right. just keep it separate, like not in right. my purse. Uh, my son has told me about waxing your shoes. Oh. He's got some bug out boots like that, but they're covered in some sort of wax that doesn't break up and mm-hmm. crack and and fall away. And he'll walk through anything, you okay. know, uh, up huh. to ankle deep. Yeah, 
Uh, I suppose you could do that to your. Uh, what do you wear, John Chuck Taylors? You, Chuck you, Taylors. Oh, he's so cool. You could wax your Chuck Taylors <laughs> so they don't get wet as you're sitting on your front yeah. step. Chuck, Chuck Taylors and Vans I wear too, see, so I could run from the people who are coming to kill me. It's true. Oh my gosh. I just took the practical approach. I'm going to go back and make sure I have those four things that he talked about when you uh, when you leave your home. Yeah. What you should be doing, Ross, is hoarding. Insulin. Uh, insulin. That's yes. what you need to do. Yes, I should be. How yeah. long is your supply how, right now? If if it ended this afternoon, if, how long can you go? If it ended this afternoon, right now, what's currently in my fridge is probably. And that's another thing. It's in yeah, a perfect you have to world. Keep it, you, you keep it cool, oh, or at least cool. at least not super hot. My current supply right now is probably. I actually just looked at it last night. Four to five weeks. Yeah. Hmm. Because then not, it expires yeah, after that, right? I mean, it'll last. It it'll last longer. But mm-hmm. technically, what I'm saying is, with how much I use and yeah. how much I take, I got about four to five weeks left, and I typically get a 90 day supply. Which anybody who's a diabetic always laughs at that because your insulin is not the same every day for the most part. Oh, so right. That's, separately, that's always a fun insurance battle. If you run out of insulin earlier, they're like, "Well, why are you?" You're like, "I'm not like, <laughs> selling it on the street." <laughs> So it, well, do you take different amounts then, Ross, all yeah, the time? I mean, I, I don't, I'm I t- ignorant I, of this. Yeah, I'm sorry. So I yeah. take a nighttime insulin that's pretty much the same every night. Mm-hmm. Uh, as time goes on, sometimes it goes up, it goes down a little bit. But generally, based on what you eat, whether you're uh, taking insulin injections uh-huh. or using an insulin pump, mm-hmm. the lower mm-hmm. amount of carbs you eat at a meal is going to decide how much insulin you take. I see. And check your levels yep. a lot, too. Yeah. And then within that, everybody's body is different. So somebody for, like, 15 carbs might take two units of insulin. Somebody else might take six. Right. So it's, it. it's different. It's different for everybody. But long story short, I got about a month. So if the S goes down this Friday as opposed to last Friday... A month. Is there any um, natural substitutes? I mean, w- what if you can't get any anymore? What do you do? Well, I mean, the best thing you can probably do at that point is if you don't have insulin, you're not really at much risk of your blood sugars going low, where you're actually at the most risk is you're kind of just cooking your body from the inside out because your blood sugars start to get high. Oh, that's unpleasant. So oh. it would be basically as much exercise and diet as you possibly can and i know some people are a believer in cinnamon that oh. cinnamon can help can help di- diabetics i think it definitely can help but it's not going to cure it i wish mm. they could come up with the pill form for this come on science yeah, yeah. They, they have and it cheap for, too oh, they do? Right? yeah they have it for type two do they but it's just more of a control thing i'm type one i'm oh, solely yeah. insulin mm-hmm. dependent so i i need insulin my pancreas is basically I could even get a dollar for it if I tried to sell it. So uh, do you have, um, will, will you have one of these freak out things where you pass out or you fall on the floor and you're babbling incoherently? You know, I, I could. I've always made that aware to people that I am diabetic. As you can yeah. see, one of the steps that I do take, I have a diabetic bracelet. Yeah. So oh, I thought that was a hippie thing. I didn't know. <laughs> you didn't even read it, so Kenny. It's, it's, yeah, it's just big, a piece of love It says I'm diabetic. Something. What does it say? Type 1 diabetic. Okay. So that, that's basically what will happen when if you ever pass out for something, oftentimes... What happens is they come and they pump you with so much fluids. Well, they don't want to put every fluid that they would put in a normal person into a diabetic because you could actually do more harm. Yeah. yeah. So it's just it's good for them to know who they're yeah, I what hope they're they up look. against. The EMTs, you should wear it around your neck. And uh, that has not happened to me yet. 
I'm 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 proud to say I was diagnosed diabetic when I was 13. I'm 35 now. Mm. I've never I have not been back to the hospital for a diabetic related incident or stay for anything. Mm. However, I'm not naive. I do know at some point that will change, but the goal is to Avoid right. that absolutely as long just, as possible. You just so. you're dancing with your karma now. You you just screw oh, yeah. things up. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, when I was a kid, me and Rudy after school would walk home. We'd stop at his house and Rudy. Uh, occasionally, his mom would be laying on the kitchen floor babbling incoherently, and he'd start yelling at her. And then uh, I think he would either give her a shot or feed her some candy or something. Yeah. Does, yep. Does that sound right? Yeah. There. So you can actually, there are shots to give diabetics when they uh, do go low. It's basically an injection of a whole bunch of sugar and, yeah. and such. I'm just kind of dumbing it down. If there's yeah. an actual doctor listening, they're going to be like, right. that's all wrong. <laughs> it's just right. for, Doctors for, don't listen yeah. to this show. For mo- <laughs> Guaranteed. For most yeah, people no. listening, that's basically what you're doing. You're giving them a jolt of something and, you know, orange juice and candy help, but they help they help right away but they it's you know like a hill you go up the hill really quickly and then it comes down you you kind of want to put something sustained in your body maybe sure. maybe like after that you know you probably want like a bread or a banana but if you're trying to get that instant kick back up to no pun intended like get back to life yeah, yeah you, you you want something with sugar some point in the uh, 80s early 80s i'm in downtown minneapolis like right around 10th in chicago or so and there's some guy passed out Middle of the intersection in his car. Oh my gosh! And uh, so there's a phone right there on the corner. These, you know, the day of uh, um, public phones. I call nine one one. You know, and I'm like, yeah, this old jackass is passed out drunk in his car <laughs> oh, in the middle. Yeah. And the the lady, no, listen, the lady on nine one one said, check his, open his door, check his door or his uh, the inside for candy bars. Um, so I did. There's a whole bunch of candy bars. So I, I shake this, you know, guy I thought was drunk. Uh, awake and he's like bleh, bleh, bleh. I give him the candy bar a couple minutes later he's better the uh, uh, ambulance arrived and they take care of him yeah. and everything he was saved a-okay. his life yeah he, evidently yeah kudos wow. kudos to you Kenny I I tell people but no not kudos to me because I thought he was just a dumb drunk jackass and well, I was hoping they, I hope they were going to haul him off to jail <laughs> at the end of the day you did the right thing yeah. I always tell By people accident. when I have low blood sugars and then they get better I liken it to Mario or Luigi jumping on the mushroom remember when they get to like half size yes. when they're almost dead <laughs> yeah. and then they jump on the mushroom and they come back to life that's that's what, what getting that sugar in you is like. fantasy mushroom <laughs> I get it. I'm a gamer. LSD. No yeah. idea. I have no idea on. what you're talking he, about. Also, small and bigger. Yeah. Also, Kenny, you're not wrong. Low blood sugars, a lot of low blood sugars, it mimics somebody who is basically incredibly intoxicated. Yeah, I thought but, he was S-faced. Yeah, whenever people ask me, what is a low blood sugar like, I always tell people... Especially for me, I, I can still sense when I'm going low, which is part mm-hmm. of the reason why I haven't been back to the hospital for anything. For me, at least, again, different for everybody, I start to feel like I'm, you know, six or seven uh, Budweiser's in because right. your, your, your legs just start yeah. to get a little little bit weak. You're kind of fumbling with your words a bit. So, yeah. I feel okay. like we should end this podcast with, I'm Wilford Brimley, and I'm here to talk to you about you, diabetes. You guys, diabetes. You guys diabetes. ever see the Wilford Brimley uh, stand, uh, family guy bit? Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's great. Oh. Okay, so what I've learned today, um, Ross, you're going to have to hoard insulin 
John, you're going to have to hoard beer, and I know this is tough for you, <laughs> but you're going to have to have a couple, two, three cases of beer stashed in your house that you don't dip into, because I know you. Oh, You'll get into them. If it's here, yeah, I'm, I'm into it. <laughs> so you're going to have to, maybe I should talk to your bride and have her hide the beer uh, somewhere <laughs> where you can't find it, so you can sit on your front step and wait for the impending doom. Uh, Dawn, I don't have to worry at all about you. Yeah, my boyfriend used to be a firefighter too, so and an EMT for like thirteen years, eleven years. So if he's with me, I feel so. so you're gonna good. drag him along? He's not gonna weigh you down? Oh my gosh, he better come along with me. Yeah, and I think all I'm gonna do is have a couple, two, three, maybe six, seven guns, a whole bunch of ammo, uh, a lot of coffee, and a whole hell of a lot of tobacco, and I'll oh be my okay. Gosh. Can, what do you need? Can yeah. we end very quickly? I know you want the music. You got to tell us what are the rankings one through four. I got to know if I'm third or fourth. <laughs> oh yeah. What do you think, Don? Um, I think he's fourth because yeah. of the insulin. I'm sorry, Ross. Yeah. <laughs> the diabetes. I'm number three. It, it this is like the Morgan Trail game. You've died from <laughs> yeah. dysentery. Or, or if we were going to do it the the other way around, Ross would be number one. He's going to be the first first to die. <laughs> yeah. Uh, John would be the second to die, and then you and I are going to live forever. Yeah. I'm going to hit you with your music again because oh, we, you were going to get cut off there. <laughs> <laughs> a do-over. Ross is doing a do-over. How apropos. <laughs> you got 10 seconds. Uh, thank you for listening to News for the Krabby Coffee Shop. For the very last time, I'll see you all in hell. <laughs> Thanks for listening to news from the Krabby Coffee Shop. New episodes drop every week wherever you get your podcast.